0: Welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program.
1: Britannia podcast a very British podcast about very British movies with just a hint of professionalism good morning everybody Scott here it's the next in our hammer Britannia specials and of course being a hammer Britannia not only have I got Stephen with me good morning Stephen morning good morning and also we have Mark
2: hello mate hey hey hey. how are we doing it's all right guys Pretty it? Yes, I must
3: say, Mark, Mark. Thanks for joining us. Oh God, the puns! It started. I'm melting. It's oh no, it's different film. Started already. <laughs> <laughs> the
2: end of it. The, the high. I feel like director doesn't end of this film with your puns. No. Uh,
3: no, no. <laughs> so does everybody in real life? <laughs>
1: One piece of trivia to bring you before we even start: uh, the lady who plays the vampire woman. Is it Valerie Gaunt, I think her name is? Valerie Gaunt, yes. Valerie Gaunt. She holds the distinct honour of being the first character in a Hammer movie to have visible fangs, I read today. Whoa, that's cool. Yeah. You'd think it'd be Christopher Lee, but she got in there first, just by seconds.
2: Mm. Yeah. And we've seen her before. She was the maid in uh, Curse of Frankenstein, right? So, uh, yeah. uh, so she's uh, getting about a bit. I All think right. she crops up again in the future,
1: but we'll leave that yeah. to the custodian of the the Crypt of Fame. What, is, what have we decided the Hall of Fame for Hammer was going to be? I think, so, I think we did
3: decide Crypt, crypt, to, crypt, crypt. of Fame. Crypt, yeah. crypt.
1: crypt, crypt of fame. fame. We came up with all these wacky suggestions, didn't we? None of them seemed to work. So. The <laughs> Crypt
2: crep, crep, <yeah>, <laughs> crept in. For a... <laughs> uh, I'm, 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 <laughs> sorry, I'm, I need a drink.
1: That's a carry-on gag, isn't it? Well, yeah, he's, he's crept into the Crypt for a whatever. Um, <laughs> it is Dracula. It's, we're in full flow now, guys, aren't we, with this now? It's, it, we've got the classic sort of like line up the classic team, the classic iconic images of what a hammer horror is now.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Curse of Frankenstein was really strong, but this uh, just keeps cementing it all the way, really.
1: This is just one that I just always associate with hammer horror because it has, has got all the tropes. And when we get to Bob's Full House of Horror later, there's going to be a bit of a battle between us and the cards because there's a lot of stuff that crops up in
2: this that we associate strictly with hammer horror. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Everything. I mean, they—they. They, I mean, it, this is a bit like um, the Goldfinger uh, to um, Curse of Frankenstein's Doctor No. From from Ashville. This is where it all ferments. That's a good into analogy. one, right? That's a good analogy. Yes, I like that. It is. It's, it's,
1: you know, they're still learning. They're still developing the style. And do you know what? I think they've hit it within two films. You know, it becomes a lot more sexier as the series progresses but there is an element of sex coming from Christopher Lee in this as well and plunging cleavages and all of that that we come to expect from a Hammer movie, isn't there? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, it is Dracula. Let's take a short break. We'll be back after this.
0: This is the story of Dracula, a creature who destroys all whom he touches. Dracula, the terrifying, the feared who sleeps in the tombs of the dead by day and arises at night to inflict his terror upon the innocent and the unsuspecting. You must help me, you must. You're my only hope, you must. I'll help you, I promise.
4: Please try and understand, this is not Lucy, the sister you loved. It's only a shell,
0: possessed and corrupted by the evil of Dracula. How do you destroy a fiend who has so far proven himself indestructible? Those who come to end his reign of terror stay to become his victims.
4: castle Dracula is summoned here in Klausenburg. Will you tell me how I get there? You ordered a meal, sir.
0: As an innkeeper, it's my duty to serve you. When you've eaten, I ask you to go and leave us in peace. This is the doctor who dares to challenge the vampire Dracula. This is the anguished man who fears for the lives of his beloved, the girl who is his sister and the one that is his wife. Dracula, the bedeviled master of all that is evil.
1: Dracula, released in 1958, directed by Terence Fisher, written by Jimmy Sangster and Bram Stoker, it says here as well. Starring Peter (laughs) Christopher Lee, Michael Goff, Melissa Stribling, Olga Dickey, Valerie Gaunt we've mentioned, Charles Lloyd-Pack, there's some famous faces, Miles Mallison's in this, and Geoffrey Belder, we'll talk about all of these guys a little later on. The synopsis, the briefest of synopsis from IMDb, Jonathan Harker begets the ire of Count Dracula after he accepts a job at the vampire's castle under false pretenses, forcing his colleague Dr Van Helsing to hunt the predatory villain when he targets Harker's loved ones. We've all seen this a few times, I'm assuming, guys, this one. Yeah. Yeah loads of times. This isn't an unknown hammer to us, is it? So so we've gone into this as, you know, quite a familiar movie, I'm assuming, and we've all watched it during the week very recently, yeah? Yes, yes. OK. The thing I noticed about this one, which, you know, having watched this movie three, four, five times, I'm not too sure, over the years, is, is some of the subtle differences between this and what we expect a classic Dracula vampire movie to be. And in that, I mean the things like the whole of the Whitby coming over to England thing is omitted. The fact that Van Helsing instantly dismisses that vampires can't turn into bats or wolves. and things. All of these little things that we, we think we know about vampires, Sankster has very subtly changed it and created his own sort of vampire folklore with this.
3: It's creative in the way that it Budget Constraints been been a motivator. Yeah. Um, it's been very creative to make it work and actually um, provide a way in which the explanations are there, but subtly, without being forced on your throat, that why there's a change to some of these bits or that it's working around and emitting whole segments I know previously there was a discussion um, that we've had about certain things to do with copyright and things, but, and, and infringing upon universals. Um, footing, but I think in this case uh, the it, it, it slimmed down the story to a much more manageable chunk, and I think it absolutely works. So there's not a it's not like it's set to a, it's a detriment.
2: Yeah, I mean it, it's entirely they've restructured the story entirely. Basically, Harker is an an innocent man going somewhere he doesn't know what he's getting into. This is a guy hunting vampires. At last, I
0: have met Count Dracula. <laughs> He accepts me as a man who has agreed to work among his books as I intended. It only remains for me now to await the daylight hours when, with God's help, I will forever end this man's reign of terror.
1: And Stephen, you're quite right with the budgetary con- constraints because I think I watched a documentary on the Blu-ray after watching this last night and I think it was Jimmy Sangster, there was a, there was an interview with him in his older age and they said, England, Whitby, that would mean a boat, that would mean shooting in the night time, you're, you're having a laugh basically, we're not going to pay out <laughs> yeah. for all nah. of that. Um Renfield's missing from
2: this. Yeah, Renfield's yep. missing. I mean, in fact, a lot there's characters there from the book they're the, but they're entirely different characters, you know, the stru- Dr. Seward for example is a doctor who just happens to come and call for example yeah. um, and it's also but i tell you what what i did notice watching this time is how much detail they put into like set design and stuff because it's i mean we all know hammer's great at set design but for example jonathan kohaka opens his diary and he's got a monogrammed jh yes. a really nice one on the front of his diary a tiny little detail you could easily have missed and yeah. not even bothered with but they did it yeah. and it was kind of wow that is some detail they're doing in there, they're putting in there.
1: Talking of set design, Stephen, when you were watching the movie on Wednesday night or whatever <laughs> it was, like, you don't know about this much, Stephen sent me over a screenshot. or well, did you send it to the group? No, the I show? saw you it. You saw yeah, it, yeah, right. Yeah, so yeah. I <laughs> <quite, yeah, we laughs> saw it too. What, what was it you spotted, mate, in the background? Because I looked out for it when I watched it last night.
3: Well, in the background, in one scene when Van Helsing is in his, his own study, in the corner there's quite a large... Cylindrical object that's got sort of squared paneling on it with circles in the middle, and mm. it just looks at a glance. It looks absolutely like a Dalek, an um, large Dalek, yeah. and I, you know, obviously with Peter Cushing, previously <laughs> been um, playing the role of Doctor Who. Um, at least he hadn't done it at this point, but he mm. did subsequently go and do that for the, the Doctor Who the movie. It, it amused me at the idea that that's where they, you know, that was an early introduction of the Daleks creeping in and trying to <laughs> creep up on the, a doctor and and seeing whether, um, it just <laughs> visually, it amused me. I had to take a quick photo of it and send it over to you guys. Yeah. Uh, well, I looked at it um, last night and it's got like
1: a, I think they call it crenellations on the top, like a top of a castle. It looked like a giant chess piece. And at the bottom there was like an uh, an arched opening. It looked like a fireplace, but it did. It looked like some sort of steampunk Dalek. It looked like it
2: him. might be an indoor chimney, but there's That's, no such things. Yeah. that, right. But it kind of was a bit like. I assume they got it from someone and just put it in a room. You know, possessed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. It was over like overflow from another movie down the down the corridor. And also, yeah. because like
1: Stephen had pointed out this remarkable piece of furniture. I noticed when Jonathan Harker's first shown to his room by the Count. At the foot of the bed, there's this massive ottoman that he puts his hat and coat on, and it looks just like the Ark of the Covenant from Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's huge. <laughs> it's, this, it's this great, big, ornate I mean, piece of furniture. Uh,
2: uh, oh, there's uh, Interesting stuff in all the sets. Uh, you know, the gargoyles. Uh, mm. yeah, there's all sorts, right? There's uh, The stuff hanging on the wall. It's, it's the ar- it's the arches, terrific. the
1: arches in in the you know the count's castle, you know, just these random sort of like brickwork arches, and, and we're going to have to get used to these sets, both the exterior and the interior, because they do get used again, don't they? The castle in particular, and the bridge is is used in many. Oh yeah, loads, many that are loads. coming up. The set design, absolutely incredible. And as, and as you said, like, because of the budgetary restraints, they did a bloody good job with it, didn't they?
2: Yeah, I was kind of surprised. I'm always surprised by that. Uh, when you compare it to other Dracula films, that they went a completely different route from how we used to. I mean, Bela Lugosi's and before it Nosferatu's Dracula. The castle is dark and creepy mm. and sinister. This was well there. It just seemed to be a... Uh, a reasonably you know about a not as nice a living space as you can make a castle really you know in stone walls and stuff like that uh, so and, and they didn't go for any sinister aspects at all with their director. maybe it was they afraid a copyright or something but he, he just you know hello, Mr. Harker, I bid you welcome. It was all very matter-of-fact, wasn't it? Tell you what I
1: noticed as well, the door was always open because Harker let himself in, Van Helsing let himself in, you know, like
2: so nobody there well, to Well, Dracula them. probably don't need a lock, right? As like, Yeah, go on then. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Imagine Dracula coming home and going, Pat in his pockets. Oh, where's the key? Where's the key? Where's the key? Where's the key? Quick, yeah. quick, the sun's coming happen, up.
1: Yeah. Is it? <laughs> we've got an incredible supporting cast. Obviously, we've got the return of the great double act themselves. I think after Curse of Frankenstein, it's got to be a natural choice to get these two back on board, don't you, because of the success of the, the previous movie.
2: Yeah, it was interesting, though, because like, Christopher Lee was so heavily made up, and it doesn't actually appear that imposing in Curse of Frankenstein compared to his Dracula he's much more imposing mm. uh, as Dracula so they kind of lucked out that Christopher Lee was a good match for Dracula you know I don't know if he was casting bow in one while the other was happening I don't know but uh, it's just
3: uh, you know yeah it was great to see both yeah. he had about as many lines in both of them, didn't he <laughs> That's true. He didn't have a lot of dialogue in it in either, did he, really? I mean,
2: uh, No, it's interesting. And he doesn't have that much dialogue in any of
3: the films, really.
2: Mm. Um, uh, and he says later on he just hated the dialogue that was written. And, and Jimmy sangster has got other points of view. He says, no, I didn't write him any. But maybe they felt he wasn't a great
3: actor. It could be that. It, but he has got a lot of charisma and presence. By accident, that gives it a different feeling to some of the other films, Dracula films, where... Um, there's dialogue from Dracula more in this, we've got a situation where that lack of, of speaking makes you more attentive upon his appearance and his actions and the, my- the mystery of him because he's not speaking. And that gives him more of an allure and, and uh, menace in some ways. So I suppose it's actually again another happy accident in some ways.
2: Oh, it's well. Yeah, it's well known that people in the media, or you know, in the public arena, the less they speak, the more you can project your beliefs onto them, <laughs> and therefore they become much more significant to people. The more someone speaks, the more you realise they're just another human being, right? Uh, it's a bit, unless they're completely bonkers and and stuff. Um, but yeah, so staying quiet for someone like Dracula is probably a good idea.
1: So is it Dracula's story, this, or is it more of a story of the supporting characters? Van Helsing's? Is it Harker's? Oh, it feels a bit of Van Helsing, really, doesn't it? Yeah, I do it? think it's this quite is like a Van Helsing more... film. Because that's yeah. the other thing, his character. From the book has certainly changed because wasn't he like an old man? Wasn't
2: he? The- it was an old Dutch doctor. Yeah, and old now it's not old old, but yeah, but- um, like late forties fifties. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was not as old as the one in 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 uh, Bella Lugosi's version. No, no. Uh, Is Anthony Hopkins pretty much nailed it in 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 uh, the, um, Coppola the f- Cop- Coppola's
1: version? Yeah. yeah. Because this one, this Peter Cushing version, he's, he's come fully armed with his own vampire-hunting kit, basically, hasn't he? You know, he's he knows everything there is to know. And, and like I sort of hinted at at the beginning here, he dispels all of those rumours on beliefs of, of vampires that we thought we knew.
4: There's so much in Jonathan's diary I don't understand. Can Dracula really be as old as it says here? We believe it's possible. Vampires are known to have gone on from century to century. Records shared that Count Dracula could be five or six hundred years old. Another thing. I always understood that if there were such things, they could change themselves into bats or wolves. That's a common fallacy. Homeward, the study of these creatures has been my life's work. I've carried out research with some of the greatest authorities in Europe, and yet we've only just scratched the surface. You see, a great deal is known about the vampire bat. But details of these reanimated bodies of the dead, the undead, as we call them, are so obscure that many biologists will not believe they exist. Of course you're shocked and bewildered. How can you expect to understand in so short a time? But you've read and experienced enough to know that this unholy cult must be wiped out. I hope, perhaps, that you'll help me. I'll do
1: anything you say. You know, and, he, and he's the one that says, yes, garlic flowers, yes, a stake through the heart. No, they don't turn into bats, you know, none of that rubbish. They are, they are more flesh and blood than some mythical creature.
2: Yeah, I like it. He, I mean, he is a proper, uh, rational, uh, good guy, right? Dealing with irrational things. Uh, it's a, It's a classic... Uh, archetype character van helsing uh you, you know basically you any character, other character like this you can describe is a van helsing right that's yeah. that's how significant this van helsing character is think, and this yeah. is this is where it came this is the performance where the, all this came from <laughs> yeah and <laughs> what we're seeing in this film well, when
1: you say you know the name van helsing i think everybody instantly thinks peter cushing they don't think anthony hopkins or any of the other guys that have played him previously
2: no I mean Edward Van Sloan was terrible um, <laughs> absolutely awful Uh <laughs> awful um, and you know there's been a couple of other Van Helsens and they're okay but n- n- none of them have got a t- patch on Peter Cushing Van Helsen right. uh, not only is he a great actor with presence he's super athletic too he is an action hero almost, isn't he, in this? Yeah, and if you think about this, there's very few films before this where you have an action apart from maybe war films and Westerns, where there's such a dynamic sort of action hero. Yeah. Right? Yeah,
1: and it's and I think it actually sort of cements the fact that now Cushing has certainly moved from the TV stuff because that's what was what he was best known for in 1984 and all those other things. Mm. And he is now a fully fledged movie actor now.
2: Yeah. And I'm I'm guessing this is probably the first lead performance from Christopher Lee too, right? Peter Cushing was the lead in Curse of Frankenstein as well. But uh, I mean, this is, uh, there are two leads really, it's Dracula and and Van Helsing. Uh, So this was bringing Christopher Lee properly into the limelight now. Yeah,
1: funny enough though, Peter Cushing's name is above the title on most of the
2: posters. I'm not surprised because yeah. he was known from Curse of Frankenstein, right? Yeah. Whereas Christopher Lee had a load of makeup on and is much less That's recognisable. That's true. Yeah.
1: Let's talk about some of the other supporting cast. what are your guys' thoughts? I'm not going to say anything until I hear yours on on Mr. Michael Goff's performance.
2: Um, it was pretty solid. It, it, it was why I felt that couple was a bit old. For the parts that were playing, yeah, uh, actually, Um, they should have been a a bit younger. Um, I mean, Van Helsing, what he's meant to be the mature one here, but he looked like the youngest one out of all of them, and which is something saying something with Peter Cushing, Uh, but yeah, but other than that, it was a solid turn. Michael Goff, Stephen,
1: any any thoughts? Because I've just got a little observation, that's all.
3: Yeah, I think in the main, Mm. um, it was, you know. restrained performance so so you're going the opposite you're saying restrained okay there was some some elements that you felt like it almost like they'd done it a couple of times and they'd gone right no really really ham it this time brilliant um so um right you couldn't i I couldn't quite get a, a grasp of what what they were meant to be doing whether they were meant to be one or the other it was kind of a bit yeah, I, I, um, I, I well, should. Don't blame them from the term themselves. I think it's you know they were
1: directed uh, right because I got the general feeling that Goff was was hamming it up a little bit and it was very theatrical, very exaggerated, sort of talking to an audience almost. You know, he was projecting and waving his arms about a bit, and I was sort of like, okay, that's fine, that's just Michael Goff, that's just him. But then in the documentary, Kim Newman, who's expert on all things horror, as we know. Sort of picked up on it, and he he sort of felt that Goff felt that the script was beneath him, and he was giving this sort of performance that was like, oh god, I've got to read these lines, sort of thing.
2: There was a kind mm. of a slight air of embarrassment, mm. I think, possibly. Like I he was, couldn't, couldn't it was like, it. he wasn't even sure how to play it, yeah. possibly. But because it's Michael Goff, he he can get away with that because yeah. he's got presence and, and and talent anyway. But I felt like he was. It was ivory wasn't sure how to play it or he was a little embarrassed, but it really doesn't make... No, no. Uh, ...have any di- impact on this film because it really is Cushing's uh, and, and Lee's film.
1: Yeah, I, I thought it was just interesting just to bring up, like, Kim Newman's observation on the performance because at first, where Peter Cushing first meets Michael Gough, you know, you've got this very reserved performance from Cushing, as, as you normally do until he goes into full-fled action mode. Um Michael yeah. Goff was the one that was all, you know, overacting, exaggerating sort of thing. But, yeah, I, I love Michael Gough.
2: Yeah, and Hammer. Hammer films were well best when the comedy sort of secondary characters are hamming it up a bit. Uh, I feel like a lot of Hammer is infused somewhat with the spirit of, like, James Whale's Bride of Frankenstein and his secondary mm. characters. You get a touch of that. We get a And lot we get a comic. touch of that in mm. this film, right,
1: as we, well. We get two comic characters, really, don't we, in this? We get the guy at the gatehouse
2: oh yeah yeah the the um the um passport checker guy yeah. yes yes, yeah
1: and that is really sort of like a you know, almost like a double take sort of thing as you know the coach comes through but then you also get the wonderful miles Mallison playing the undertaker
2: yeah yep he is good as well i really like that yes but you know there's a good i mean the old our, our van Helsin's uh butler guy he's not playing comedy but it is kind of a comic relief moment isn't it? who are you talking to Mm. You know, I heard you talking to someone. I, yeah, myself, you know. <laughs> what role was Jeffrey Belden playing? I can't remember. I saw it, it, was it the It was the, um like, Van Helsing's... Was it his butler or was, was Van a Helsing in the hotel? He's, down,
3: he's listed as Porter.
1: I can't I remember him in it, but I can't remember what he was playing.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's who it is. Wasn't he the one in the room with the Dalek, or am I dreaming? Oh... Uh, I only watched this
1: last night. This is terrible, isn't it? Three old no, men. No, no, it wasn't in movie.
2: Sorry, no, that was in the um, <laughs> the home of um, what's it? Arthur and Harkas yeah. and, and all that. Sorry, my mistake. No, it was straight uh, after the dictation machine. That's uh, Jeffrey okay. Beldon. Okay, well,
1: Jeffrey Beldon's in this movie, ladies and gentlemen. We can't remember what he was doing, but he was great. That's fine. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Come in. You rang, sir? Oh, yes. I want this letter delivered first thing in the morning. Will you see to that? Yes. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Anything the matter? What is it? Well, sir, to tell you the truth, when I was outside, I thought I heard you talking to someone. Well, of course you did. I was talking to myself. You won't forget that letter, will you? No, sir.
1: Yes. And there's a great character actor. I mean, I I think we might have to go into the Hall of Fame in a second. There's a great character actor who plays the landlord. Now, the the mighty Michael Ripper will will certainly take over this role as innkeeper in Mm. many, many movies to come. But it's George Woodbridge, who many people will know, and I mean, I know him particularly as the prison officer in Two Way Stretch with Peter Sellers. Uh, He's the one that looks after Bernard Cribbins and and all the guys in the cell before Grouty turns up, played by Lionel Jeffries. And it was good to see him. There's a lot of famous faces. I got a text message from you, Mark, in the week saying Trigger's dad is in this movie and I had to to think what you were on about for a second. Uh, Charles Lloyd Pack, Roger Lloyd Pack's father. I'll tell you what, Stephen, we're talking characters and, and actors in the movie. Grab your keys, mate. Let's go up to the hall of fame and then on to the crypt of fame okay ladies and gentlemen we are here in the (laughs) ever busy Growing in popularity, the Hall of Fame, where we induct anybody that's appeared on the on the podcast three times or more, get, get a seat here. And it's getting a bit crowded, mate, isn't it?
3: It is. I mean, we're we're approaching four hundred <laughs> inductees, <laughs> um, and considering how many episodes we're we're, we're not that far into um, the hundred mm. of episodes, it does show uh, how many people that have just catapulted into there and as we've always said it's the it's the people who, who aren't the massive megastars it's the, the stalwarts exactly somehow.
1: exactly so who have you got for us this week sir?
3: right well uh, as far as making their second appearances we've got um uh, seven people <gasps> <Wow. laughs> um so we've got janina fair uh, from room at the top and uh, oh. terence fisher obviously oh is that a new
1: yeah, because wasn't she the young girl? Yeah. So she's got a second appearance already. OK, fine, yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, Terence Fisher, obviously, is, as director, because we've had, previously had him in Curse of Frankenstein. Uh, Valerie Garn as well, uh, Curse of Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Carol Marsh was in Scrooge. OK. Uh, Guy Mills was in *Carry On Constable. Melissa Stribling was in League of Gentlemen. And the aforementioned George Woodbridge was in Heavens Above.
1: That was where Man. we saw it so as well.
3: That's where you've seen it before, yeah. yeah.
1: Okay, so any inductees this week? So we've got five inductees. <laughs> I, I love this part of the show. Mark, you, you enjoy this bit as well.
2: Yeah, you? yeah, and I, I like guessing. I like yeah. guessing. I'm not going to guess pre-guess, but I, I think I know one of them. I'm
3: pretty sure I know at least one. Okay. And, and, and it's not just guessing who they are. It's trying to guess what what else they've already been in every Again, single uh, one of
1: them, night to remember
3: <laughs> night to remember well i i have actually you know will part that um, this uh, dracula has a, a night to remember rating of two oh, okay. uh, <laughs> <laughs> pleased to hear it <laughs> um, okay we've got uh, george benson previously in doctor in the house and pool of london paul cole Captain, but who he played in this. Oh, I just but he was name. previously in Carry On Constable and Carry On Teacher. He's the kid at the door, the young lad. That's it. Yeah. George Merritt, Pool of London and Quatermass 2. Jimmy Sangster, obviously we... That's know. the one I was guessing. By the way, uh, that's the one I was... Pretty... Kessa Frankenstein yeah. and Actually yeah. Unknown. Yeah. yeah. And uh, John Van Eyse, who obviously played Jonathan Harker, mm-hmm. which was previously in Carry On Nurse as well as Quatermass 2.
1: Wow. Because I looked at him and I thought, you, you, you have got a familiar face and I didn't realise it was that recent that we'd seen it.
3: <laughs> Again, as you say, you're going down that list and it's uh it is people who you want automatically leap at. But there they are.
2: Yeah. Uh, we
3: do have two people making their fifth appearance. Okay, okay. <laughs> James Bernard, obviously, for the uh, for the score. it's five um, now, it's five for five. In case of Frankenstein X ex- uh Quetimatic experiment, two, X the Unknown. And uh, as producer, um, making a rare, uh, mm-hmm. putting in producers, we've obviously got Michael Carreras, who Absolutely. did uh, Abundant, Snowman, Cash on Demand, uh, curse of Frankenstein and Quatermass 2. Yeah. And we have two people making their sixth appearance. hmm Christopher Lee. Of course. <laughs> Cursed Frankenstein, Lolita, Private Progress, Scott of the Antar- Antarctic and Wickerman, And Charles Lloyd Pack.
1: Six for Charles Lloyd Pack?
3: Yeah, Bedazzled, oh, Last Holiday, yeah. Man Who Haunted Himself, uh, Queer Two, and Yield to the Night.
1: That's that's a surprise. Uh, that's a surprise. He's got so many. Yeah, but yeah. pleased, pleased for him. Well done.
3: Yeah. Uh One person making their seventh appearance.
1: Yes, I feel you're holding back. You've got a big one in the in the wings, I'm assuming. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, Peter
3: Cushing. That is, okay. um, who's the uh, abominable snowman, Cash and Demand, Curse of Frankenstein, Doctor Who, Lolita, and Violent Prayer Ground. Mm-hmm. And then finally, the 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 biggest mm-hmm. one, as far as appearances, uh, is nine appearances for Miles Mannison Wow, so,
1: that's good.
3: So, thirty nine Steps, Admiral Creighton. Dead of night gideon's day heavens above man who never was private progress scrooge i was gonna say it
2: must be a dickens adaptation It's perfect for dickens kind of yeah. stories but yeah Scrooge yeah. also yeah. played an undertaker again in dead of night yeah
1: mm. yeah yeah
3: so, yeah. so we've done quite well with with that as far as um the 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 numbers that are coming in i mean as i said appearances from people Making their third appearance and getting in and having another five to add in, it's got to be uh, uh, just uh, one episode before I think we we'll probably get pushed over into the 400 mark, depending on what what is next on the the docket. Interesting um, this this
1: uh, week, mate, that there was no of the famous extras. There wasn't any of the Harringtons or all of those guys, the unknowns, because yeah when Mark sent me the quick text saying that, that Charles Lloyd Pack was in it I went any sign of Victor Harrington and he went oh, sadly no
2: you know, nah no yeah, quite well, a small I mean, cast wasn't it yeah. but, I mean that another thing about the script is it kept it to a small cast yeah the budget probably again as we say which Hammer often does you know that's kind of a standard thing for Hammer that, that's interesting because that's that's
1: that's a, that's a a slightly different sort of twist on the on the Hall of Fame this week, because, we you know, none of the guys that have had 13, 14 appearances are, are there
3: this week. Even, as you say, the Michael Rippers or the, mm. the Kenneth Copes or any of these people that you, you would usually have got, or even the previous, you had people that would just be, like Fred Wood and people like that, would that would be in the background yeah. usually yeah. of every film, but in this... No.
2: I suspect, you know, once we get towards the end of it, it's going to
3: take years, but, but we might Ripper might be well up there, actually. Oh, yes, he yeah, will do. He's got to be. He'll be, uh, he'll be getting there very soon, I, I expect. Um, yeah. I think he ends up being more than Christopher Lee does. Yeah, I know. Something.
2: <laughs> if we include directors, Fisher will be up there, too, because he made yeah. so many of the good Hammer films. Exactly.
3: Well, at a certain point, he had some of the earlier Hammer, pre-horror Hammer films that he did you know Man Trap and a few things like that but then from a, from this point really it becomes that virtually all he does is the Hammer Horrors it definitely will be reappearing um,
1: well we've got a little annex off of the side of the Hall of Fame which is the, the Crypt of Fame
3: Well, downstairs,
1: I think, is equipped. Yeah, some dusty staircases.
2: Yeah, underneath, you know, down a windy staircase uh, in a lock behind a locked door. Yeah, saying beware of the leopard on the on the front. (laughs) Yes, that's (laughs) beware of the ripper. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh,
1: this is specifically not necessarily for for Hammer films because we're not including Cash on Demand, which was a Hammer production. It's just the Hammer horrors that we're doing in this specific sort of run that we're doing yeah so yeah who have we got to talk about down in the crypt mate
3: well the second appearances um are from terence fisher already mentioned valerie gaunt christopher lee charles lightpack george merritt and john von eisen mm-hmm. we've got two people making their their debuts as third appearances yeah. um uh, getting into the crypt properly uh, rather than Shuffling around the doorstep, um, and that's Peter Cushing and Jimmy Sangster, and then, well and truly in there at the back of the the, the crypt is James Bernard, who um, obviously most of the scores that we've done so far with the um, the Hammer horrors, he he was involved in. I think there was only one so far he hasn't he hasn't done.
1: Um, I don't so, know about you, but the theme tune was absolutely marvellous for this. Yeah,
3: he apparently, he's commented at some point later on in some interview that um, apparently he broke down the word Dracula into syllables and, and <laughs> used the intonation to, as, as a basis for the sort of little bit of tune that there is. There's oh, really? a very simplistic bit of tune, apparently. Yeah. And I'm sure I've read that somewhere. Not that anybody noticed,
1: to be honest, mate. All I noticed mm. it was just this brilliant sort of like brass section and sweeping strings it is a proper horror theme isn't it it just you just instantly think horror movie when you hear that music well yeah, yeah.
3: Then, but, yes, it's but one then, of those <laughs> yeah but then how much of that is because it was it it was so apt and worked so well and was then part of this overall like mark said created an archetype with the the over char- characters um mm. like van helsing becoming the model what van helsen is like and and james bernard doing exactly the same with that being becoming the archetype and and recognizes the horror soundtrack yeah Um i think that that again is is something that we recognize and and see as so very much in keeping with it but it wasn't this was new that was that was you know it wasn't Wasn't building upon the something already done, and it was already understood to be that way. They they created that as a an archetype. So James Bernard's bombastic scoring is is like just part of Hammer, mm.
2: as much as any of the extras, as much as the set design, as much as the sort of color, the certain uses of color in Hammer. It's the it's the score is kind of central to the whole feel. It's a bit like again going back to James Bond. It's a bit like the John Barry music and James Bond, yeah. right? It just it's intertwined. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, we're we're getting this core group now. You know the Sanks, the Fishers, the Bernards, the Christopher Lees and the and the Peter Cushions, and it's just that's a Hammer Horror now. This is what we expect from a Hammer Horror. We're not going to take anything less. Uh, mm. And and it does continue thankfully. So. Is there anybody else, or is that it for the crypt, mate? Nobody. That's it for the crypt, yeah. That's not a bad attendance record, is it? Considering we've only done four or five movies now, so uh, yeah, they're, they're there. The regulars are there, mate, which is good news. Thank you, as always, for that, because I know it is quite hard work piecing all that together, Stephen. Cheers, mate. Um, let's have a bit of fun. It's bingo time, gentlemen. <laughs> it's time for Bob's Full House
2: of Horror. Here we go. Here we go.
1: Bob's House of Horror. It's our, our take on bingo. It's the horror bingo. It's Hammer Horror Bingo. We've got three cards. We were talking off air that we think, because some of the more regular tropes are now starting to crop up, there's some major ones we may have missed on the bingo cards, and we're thinking of adding a fourth card at some point, possibly for the next show. Stephen, when he designed these cards captured pretty much everything, but it's amazing how many tropes there are in these movies, guys, isn't it? And it's certainly evident in this movie.
2: Yeah, I mean, again, a lot of the stuff that they did in Curse of Frankenstein a bit, they uh, they really amplified somewhat in this. Yeah, the blood, for example. Yeah, um, yeah. so that that's going to be
1: included in the new card, Stephen, isn't it? We're sort of going to have Kensington Gore as a new line on the next card. Mark has suggested a brilliant one that is sort of, we're stealing from United Nations of Horror. Um, but what is it you want to see on the next card,
2: Mark? A jaunty hat. A jaunty hat. <laughs> A jaunty
3: hat.
2: <laughs> Line up. I up I, I, I tell you what. One of the ways you can spot ha- people that are homaging Hammer films. Is a jaunty hat. Jaunty hat. I tell you, so <laughs> many films that like, uh, uh, like um, Johnny, De- um, uh, uh, what's his name, Tim Burton's *Sleepy Hollow*, or <laughs> there, there's a mad seventies uh, film called *Horror Express*, which which has got Cushion and Lee yes, in, yes. Uh, which is really riffing on Hammer. It's got amazing jaunty hats uh, and stuff like that. It's kind of almost like when people want to evoke Hammer horror, they often put in a jaunty hat.
1: I bet, <laughs> I bet the League of Gentlemen guys do it throughout the series and we haven't realised. I bet they do it because that's yeah. the sort of oh, thing yeah. they would do, isn't it? Talking of clothing, I noticed the Astrakhan coat-homburg hat combo again from Cushing. Doing,
2: <laughs> what a yeah, coat. Yeah, bro. doing his best what you know, Tony
1: Hancock impression because that is exactly <laughs> the same gear that Tony <laughs> Hancock wears. I want to bring a new trope in, guys, as well on the next card. Um <laughs> corpse that is obviously breathing
3: <laughs> oh yeah
1: <laughs> Christopher Lee didn't do it but Valerie Gaunt did or the guy that played Jonathan Harker didn't but Valerie Gaunt definitely did as, as they zoom in you could just see her take a breath so I, I want to include <laughs> breathing corpse if
2: we can have that one as well please and then we'll come it's, up it's with it's some in, more it's but
3: she wasn't dead though is... was
2: she I mean she was a vampire fair enough but she wasn't dead at that point was, was she? she I think
1: it was after the stake went in I'm not too but sure because... you did get... she
2: become an old lady after... Seven? Oh,
1: well, perhaps it's the um, the other one then, because the one uh Oh, OK. Yeah, there was one... Sorry, two... I don't want to cut. No, obviously. no, no, there's one particular <laughs> corpse that are definitely breathing in... Oh, Lucy's. Lucy's, Lucy's. may have been, yeah. That's it. Yeah. 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 yeah, sorry, Stephen, you were going to say, mate. Because you're
3: going to say, it's funny that you're you, not just the the breathing corpses, but you can also see, and it's not so much in Hammer, I don't think, but you can see in other things where that they're, they're concentrating on on not breathing but What they're not concentrating on is the, their their eyes moving behind their closed eyes. They're you know,
1: sort
3: of yeah yeah they're trying to not open their eyes or not react <laughs> in that way as well. Well, perhaps um, we'll have
1: not dead corpse or something. Then we'll we'll, we'll call that one. Well,
3: and 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 I know
1: on the current cards we've got inventive use of crucifix, but can we have something like vampire killing kit or something? Somebody that turns up with a little, <laughs> you know a little doctor's bag full of steaks and garlic and holy water and stuff like that. I think that might be a good one as well to to include. So we're gonna have this new wild card. Mark suggested probably because he's losing at the moment.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs>
1: That whoever's whoever's in, in third place gets this fourth card as a bonus card to try and make up some points, and I'm more than happy to do that. You, Stephen,
3: I'm quite quite cool with that idea. We're not treating this with any serious competitiveness, Absolutely so why not? not. Why not um, throw a, throw a bone to whoever it is <laughs> to try and keep there being something close in competition on it? Because there's no point in by look, because it is by luck certain people streaking ahead and making it pointless to have any any kind of scoring yeah
1: so we'll do that we'll have a fourth card introduced with some of the more classic tropes just as a a little bonus for whoever's falling behind at the end of the scoring yeah great okay so as we worked out before the show started i've got card one stephen's got card two mark has got card three so shall i start guys as i've got the first card absolutely okay Card number one. First thing on there, Pitchfork Villager. That's a no, isn't it?
3: No, surprisingly. Yeah.
1: That's something that's probably going to come up in the next Frankenstein. They always crop up in a Frankenstein movie, don't they, the Pitchfork Villagers? Ripper. Michael Ripper. No, sadly. No Michael Ripper. Uh, Mad Scientist. There isn't a scientist in this as Mm,
2: such. Is There's nothing we could class as mean, I mean, Van Helsing's... Approach is scientific but it's not mad yeah. it gets quite angry at some point yeah, it does yeah <laughs> I think we,
1: we're sort of talking you know lots of test tubes and you know all that sort of stuff that sort of scientists aren't we so uh, that's a no there spooky glow I don't know if there was
2: no, no I can't recall a spooky glow
1: right I'm throwing the next one open to you guys because again this is open to interpretation but it says blood red eyes
2: oh we definitely had that were they blood yeah. red yeah they were yeah. pretty yeah gross looking
3: okay so that's a point for that and again surprisingly i think that was not christopher lee being the first one i think valerie Gaunt was the first one oh, to yeah. show the the eyes wasn't she but yeah she didn't have blood red eyes though you know but we
2: saying christopher I, lee did definitely it. did okay so i'm, I'm well, when he point. burst in on uh trying to put the bite on harker
3: yeah which apparently, he, he first earlier takes, he rushed in and, and went straight past her because he couldn't see. <laughs> oh,
2: wow. <That's laughs> so brilliant.
3: <laughs> good
1: blonde, bad brunette. Well, Valerie Gaunt's the bad brunette. What about Michael Gaunt's
2: wife as the good blonde? Well, I was thinking uh, Van Helsing's the good blonde and Dracula's <laughs> the bad brunette, actually. I think that's nah,
1: fine. We have got a good blonde. The innkeeper's <laughs> daughter who saves the journal from being destroyed.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, there you
3: go. That's in. Does that's that in. work? And she posted yeah. the letter as well. Posted, she the, posted letter. the letter. Uh, so that's, uh, yeah, we'll say it. she's a uh, good Good blonde. Good Valerie Gaunt
1: is the bad brunette. Wow. OK, that's good. OK, point there. Himbo. Harker, a himbo? Mm, Not really. Um, Mm. um, Michael Goff, definitely not a himbo. I think we're lacking, aren't we? You know, it's not till the next one. one. Francis Matthews, who turns up in the next one, will probably qualify for that. And Barbara Shelley, unfortunately, no. So I've only got the two points there, chaps, on my card. Okay. We'll move on to card number two, which is Stephen.
3: Right. So uh, Spooky Coachman is my first... uh... Uh, uh, we I'm, don't
1: see a coachman, do we? Do we? There is a coachman at the bin, It's not spooky, but I'm going to a say a coachman,
3: but not spooky. No.
1: But I'm going to say you you can have the point for the guy that was driving the Undertaker's coach, when he's got mm. the coffin in the back and he's like got this very determined
2: face. He, he's 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 definitely a spooky coach Yeah, yeah, and also they burst through the uh, customs point, and that's yeah. a bit of a mystery. Well, that's a mystery, no, not spooky, but a mystery. Yeah,
1: he's no, yeah. not just your bog standard like Michael Ripper type coachman. That's that's definitely an evil coachman as such. Yes, yeah? So, yeah.
3: Yeah, we'll give you the I'll, point for that, mate I'll take I'll take that charitable thank you uh, <laughs> point then. Barbara Shelley, unfortunately, no, no. The, the absence there of Barbara Shelley. Mm-hmm. Uh, mystery monster. I don't know whether... Well,
2: uh, that, I think yeah. the girl at the beginning... You know, Valerie Gaunt's character, <laughs> yes, she yeah. wasn't obviously a monster, and then she became a monster, yeah, so sort of help me know, a, because help, of that. Mm,
1: help me, I'm a prisoner here, and then she turns into something and, else. And, mm.
3: and and obviously there's a bit of mystery around, you know, the fact that Mina is is, yeah. is in ill health, and then they find out the, the reason for, so... Go with that. We'll have the point for And they later. don't know
2: why. They don't know why, right? Exactly, exactly, yeah. Mystery, you
3: know. And so uh unfortunately the the fourth one um <laughs> regrettably there are no bats on strings no
2: So yeah. thanks to put a stop to that for this one it does come up will, <laughs> yeah. we will some but see bats on string in certain films but uh, not on this one they avoided it
3: thankfully yeah definitely not on this one yeah but um james bernard score yes. yeah thankfully yeah, cool it. Uh, yeah. that's it that's an easy win is mm-hmm. that one as uh, Scott has established him, but no, mm-hmm. no that's not uh, a relevant one. Yep. Uh, inventive crucifix is my next square. Oh,
2: of course, this is the classic <laughs> inventive crucifix. Though he comes up with an even better one in Brides of Drake. Yes, he does.
3: Yes, he does. gets better. Does that? Yeah. Yeah. It just
2: gets better at being inventive.
3: Transform terror, which the, there isn't any as we established. They they don't they don't really do do the transformation into bats and wolves of course,
1: and yeah. other yeah. things
3: and i don't think we can count that the corpse transforms into into a vampire or, or anything that doesn't, okay. doesn't okay. qualify quite
1: so. nice. I'll give you the four points for that, sir. Four, oh,
3: bloody. He's yeah. done
1: it again, Mark, hasn't he? He's, he's done it again.
3: <laughs> into these. Oh, oh, I am very lucky in this. Not lucky in anything else, Did but I, I'm lucky I, in this. I, I think there's something going on
1: here. Let's get this fourth <laughs> card into play as soon as possible. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay, mate. Mark, you have got card number three. So what have we got there? Uh, plunging cleavage well Valerie Gaunt stresses a little uh, that way we're certainly seeing the starting of the proper plunging cleavage that will become a mainstay thankfully Uh, deformed assistant nah there's none of that Uh, there's none of that Uh, I have got Michael Ripper no unfortunately we've got Ripper-esque characters but (laughs) not the man himself Thunder and lightning. I've got a feeling there was a bit, but I'm trying to yeah. remember where. it Was Did it was it near the, uh, when Harker was in the castle, there was a bit?
1: I was expecting at the beginning, because they normally always turn up in the middle of a thunderstorm, don't they? But we didn't get any of that. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to th- go with it, because I can't remember. If you
2: guys have got a vague, vague recollection. I definitely remember a thunderclap at one point. But I'm seen, trying to yes. remember exactly where it must have point. been. It was around the castle. I know that, or it might have been when Mina opened the windows because there was a lot of leaves blowing
3: about and stuff. I, I, yeah. think that, yeah. I think that was when it, it happened. Okay. It might have been the castle as well, mm. but certainly when to create that atmosphere that she was opening the the window mm. and it's let it's like letting the wild in because it's. Yeah. Uh, creating that atmosphere and menace outside with the lightning and thunder and lightning it's it's, it's emphasizing what she's opening herself to i think what they've done there with with it so i think that's why it, in my mind that's where it was cool well,
1: there's a point there for thunder and lightning then your next mm. one mark spooky glow no we, we
3: should out, didn't we? That's yeah.
2: said, no, good blonde blab blah, blah. good blonde <laughs> Bad brunette. It's uh, easy, we, future, we, yeah. Yeah, it's easy for you to say. Yeah. It's easy for me to think, but that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we said that one already, right? See Absolutely get the point for that, mate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mystery monster, we said no. Mm-hmm. And James Bernard score, yes. Wonderful. You, you... So four? Did we, say, yeah. did we
3: say yes to Mystery
1: Monster? Uh Did we? Hang on, because you got four points, Stephen, for yours. So you got spooky coachman. James Bernard score inventive crucifix. We didn't say transform. T- I think we might have said mystery monster. Yeah,
3: Yeah, anyway, right. So yeah, I need to to throw you a burn sometimes. Yeah, yeah but, um, to keep it no, complicated. So you get that one as well, yeah, because I get it. So you get five, it. It's so only so fair. Five, wow. five, five, five.
1: That's that's Whoa. a good one for you, mate. Right. So as it stands now, Mark, you are still in third place with fifteen, but you've crept up behind me because I'm now on sixteen. And Stephen is still in front with 21.
3: Thank you.
1: Because I only scored two. Mark scored five. Stephen scored four. Okay, so let's rotate the cards. Okay. Stephen, you get card one next time. I'm just doing these, just dropping the one down. So Stephen gets one. Mark gets two. I get... No, no, I get the new one. Yeah, but you get two cards. Oh, I
2: didn't realise I get two cards. Yeah, Mark gets two. You get
1: card Whoa. number two plus the new one. That's what we're going to do. Yeah, this is really opening it up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Stephen it's like won. like a Brucey bonus. Isn't, isn't it? It? This is getting, I'm, I'm getting into this now. I was not, but <laughs> I am now. There's a chance. You he might he loves the pity, doesn't
1: he? <laughs> <laughs> he thought we the had The pity bingo card. That's, yeah. yeah,
2: nice.
1: I think it's a good way of doing it because you could like spectacularly leap into the front next time, mate. So that's going to be really good. So I'll... I get card three Stephen gets one you get card two plus card four wow
2: yeah <laughs> uh, okay what's the next film can I design the next
1: <laughs> yeah. it's, it's the Frankenstein one is the next one is another Frankenstein movie the re- uh,
3: okay revenge <laughs> and I think yeah and I think that you'll have from the card two I think there's at least three maybe four you'll get nice nice. that's good wonderful just a bit of
1: fun but it's turning into something a bit competitive now guys Um, (laughs) (laughs) final thoughts I mean as I said at the beginning classic Hammer Horror
2: this this is the one isn't it yeah I mean this uh, I mean there's loads of classic scenes in this one Um, it's more memorable I think than Curse of Frankenstein there's some bits in Curse of Frankenstein very memorable but this one is really Mm kick-ass it you know, from the from the uh, harker turning up and meeting Dracula, and then the, the spookiest bit of that really is when he encounters the woman, Valerie Gaunt's character, and yeah. then Dracula crashing in with his red eyes, uh, and then we see. Dracula's fairly low-key up to that point. Until <laughs> he comes crashing through the door with red eyes and blood all over his lips and all yeah. sorts. Uh, but then he actually picks up the girl and walks out with her like she weighs nothing, yeah. which is very impressive. Mm. You're get a very imp- you impressed by his physicality. And apparently, because of the contacts, he couldn't see where he was going, so he had to be really careful not to bang her head on things. There you go. Um, mm. Which kind of gives him a really weird sort of almost not balletic, but sort of um, elegant sweep of the way he carries her out of the room um, and stuff like that. And then, you know, we get Lucy and the cross on the forehead, the burnt crucifix on the forehead. That's a hell of a scene, isn't it? They must have lost their minds when this came out. I mean, Curse of Frankenstein set up a lot, but this is like next level. Uh, And then, you know, that final battle between Van Helsing and Dracula, one scene never forgotten. It's absolutely. one of those, things, isn't it? It's just like it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. And the sheer physicality of both actors in that scene uh, make it quite amazing. Uh, the only thing that I'd let down in that scene is the weird it looks like they've they've used like the eyes of a stuffed tiger in the skull's head <laughs> or something. It just looks weird <laughs> as he disintegrates. But I'm not gonna wreck the film because of that. No. Uh, but yeah, what a great film. Absolutely.
3: Stephen. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree with everything that that Mark said, obviously, because he's right. But, um, <laughs> no, to build on that, the, the the speed at which this film rattles through, mm. we've already established it's cut a lot out of the, the story and changed bits, so uh, there was no doubt it was going to be packed with stuff going on, but it certainly does rattle through at a speed which, blink and you miss it almost, the whole thing. The things that we've previously said about this being archetypal and setting up for for horror right up until you know, even now really, but certainly up until the eighties with regards to how horror was perceived and the only horror that people would, would think of was it was certainly amazing in the the, the way the scars are done, the way that, the as you've said, Van Helsing is that is the Van Helsing. Mm. Certainly this is the the first time that they've had a situation where a vampire has been sexy yes. and there's yeah. been an eroticism to that which has obviously carried on to right up until modern day that 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 sexiness to it to the vampire rather than being a straight monster obviously the sparseness with how much they have dracula in this really it creates the mystery as well and and i think there's a phase phrase that um christopher lee used at one's point to do with the loneliness of evil um which I think he absolutely puts across with how little he actually uh, uh, says and 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 does. All the elements that have been building towards this, including uh, the Curse of Frankenstein, this is really where it, they get it bang on to what Hammer horror is. Yeah, plunging cleavages and all. <laughs> so this is this is you know a a great point at which it's it's British cinema as as put its stamp on and going this is now a thing mm. and the world will will see it and follow it in a lot of ways so this is why you know why we do this podcast to recognize the great things that are in, in British cinema and this is, has been a great British cinema that's gone worldwide at a very early stage so it's a great film.
1: That's the thing. It captured the world's imagination pretty much with Curse of Frankenstein. Um, thankfully, you know, to Universal, you know, doing the distribution and, you know, having the rights to the characters, and it just ensured that it was going to be something that's going to be seen away from just British shores, you know. Um, it was renamed, I think, was it Horror of Dracula for the American audience, wasn't it, this one, so that people weren't confused
3: with the Bella Lugosi one? Yeah. Yes, yeah, um, partly the Bella Lugosi one was still being rotated around cinemas wouldn't surprise me um, Yeah. at that time still yeah. so they didn't want the confusion
1: yeah wouldn't surprise me um, I just want to finish off with just a couple of reactions from, from critics very very briefly I mean because it was an X certificate there's two different opinions as to how the X certificate was used in this movie there's a guy called James Carreras who was dubbed the king of nausea in a Daily Express profile on the 23rd of May uh, and he said this one's going to clean up he told the reporter Leonard Mosley opens on Broadway next week they're going to love it nina hibbin in the daily worker said this film disgusts the mind and repels the senses one step farther claimed the daily sketches harold conway and the license permitted by the censor's x certificate will be dangerously abused so they thought this was quite quite near the knuckle but then Paul Dean in the Daily Chronicle went, what's an ex-certificate for if we may not see a stake being hammered into a lady's heart? So he wanted them to go a little bit further. But we do get the Kensington Gore. We get that wonderful silhouette of him hammering the stake in. You know, it's it's probably more effective, to be honest, like the the unseen, isn't it? So they're going to get a bit more gorier as we go on. They're going to take a few more chances. And that's what I'm looking forward to. It's Like we said, it's the evolution, isn't it, of this whole series that we're we're sort of following and just enjoying now as each movie goes on.
2: And it keeps building. Uh, For me, Hammer always kind of has a bathtub effect. It it kind of, it really is great in its early days, then it kind of gets a bit more tame and, Mm. and not as much, just not the same level of quality, with exceptions. And then... 67, it starts really picking up again. You know, we've got, like, The Devil Rides Out and Quake, mass in the pit and stuff like that. And and um, there's definitely more blood and sex, uh, which makes it more entertaining, frankly, yeah, absolutely. Um, after that. But there's this weird period where it kind of almost gets... We're going to, We went a bit too far, we're going to pull back a bit, which is not what they should have done, really. Yeah. But, yeah.
1: And I've just found out, guys, Christopher Lee had a total of 13 lines in the movie. Wow, um, he wasn't, he on, well, wasn't he
3: on screen for about seven minutes or something? It's, in it's total? one
1: of those great ones <laughs> that yeah, that, that his presence is so over. Powering, that it's like you don't realise that he's not on screen for such a short
2: amount at time. yeah where would you put this in like the great Dracula films then would you say this number for you guys is it like number one or uh, I'm thinking of like Lugosi and Gary Oldman yeah I've... maybe the TV the 77 TV what BBC yeah. what production which is very faithful that's to the book that's very good um, I've got a soft spot for the Coppola one because yes. it's very
1: faithful to the book Despite the fact there are some major, major flaws in that movie, particularly in acting choices, and you know we we, we know the you know the whole thing about Keanu Reeves and all that lot, but it's <laughs> it's a very stylish, you know.
2: The, oh, I love it! I think yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah, but, I, I'd also cl- count like the original Nosferatu. And the '79 version of Nosferatu in that like classic yeah, Dracula, absolutely. I mean, original it's... Dracula films. You know, sequels not so much. They're not classics. They're sorry, they're not the original story as it were. They're no. they're like uh, sequels.
1: I like what they've done with this one. I like the fact that because it is pared down, and you haven't got things like the Whitby storyline, and you haven't got Renfield, and you know the three vampire. Uh, women are now reduced just to one with Valerie Gaunt you know this whole slimming down of the story has sort of changed it and it's still the essence is there the whole Stoker essence is there and I just yeah. love the way they've done it and watching it last night you know I'm thinking well it's fresh in my mind probably this is my favourite version but then if I was to watch the Coppola one
2: I think oh that that's really very clever. You know, I don't know, you know, it's Yeah, there's I mean there's also the little Angela one from seventy nine, you know, which is okay. That's but it does old have old, the whippy he... stuff.
1: Yeah. yeah. I don't mind that version. You know, I watched that about three, four years ago. I may have to go back to that one.
2: And that, I think, is the first version where we see the Van Helsing as portrayed in the book. Uh, no, actually, no. The BBC one is the, with Frank Finlay yeah. as Van Helsing does it. But uh, Lawrence Olivier in the 79 version yeah. does kind of a good turn. Uh, but yeah, I, I actually think the Oldman one might be the best, my favourite version of the mm. story. But the, this one here is pretty damn iconic.
1: Absolutely. Well, there we go, chaps. That's Dracula. Obviously, we're going to get together again in five episodes' time with the next in the sequence. Let's take a break, and we'll be back to find out what it is. Is there no other
4: way? But it's horrible. Please try and understand. This is not Lucy, the sister you loved. It's only a shell, possessed and corrupted by the evil of Dracula. Deliberate her soul and give it eternal peace. We must destroy that shell for all time. Believe me, there is no other way.
1: Guys, so that was Dracula, 1958. We're sticking with 1958. Released the same year, 27th of August. Another X certificate. Another Terence Fisher, Peter Cushing, Eunice Gason the very first Bond girl, Eunice Gason, Francis yes. Matthews, Michael Gwynn, You know all the all the all the famous names that we're learning to love so far. The Sangsters, the Hines, the Fishers. They're all part of this. It's the Revenge of Frankenstein. Looking forward to this one, chaps?
2: Yeah, I like this one. Yeah, it's very solid.
1: Yeah. Not only does he bring a creature to life, but he brings himself back to life because at the end of the last one, he was going to the guillotine. How do they get out of it, chaps? We'll find out. (laughs) (laughs) He's very clever. They do actually address that, don't they? Because it is... (laughs) They do. Yeah. Okay. All that leaves for me to say is Mark, thank you so much for being here as once again as a guest on the Hammer show.
2: My pleasure. thank you so much.
1: Stephen, thank you for all of your hard work on the crypto fame and the and the Hall of Fame and for being here, sir. My pleasure and all of that. Thank you very much, chaps. I'll see you both in five episodes. time. Cheers. Shark. A positive sure. Else? Goodbye.
3: Good luck. Thank you.
0: end up sir
1: I'm sick of paint <laughs>